the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today Pastor Sean continues in this series on the Spirit-Filled Life as he dives into the matter of spiritual gifts prophecy, and even speaking in tongues, something that has definitely seen abuses, but Pastor Sean will be quick to encourage you that those abuses do not invalidate the gifts or their role in your private life and even in the life of your community. So what role do spiritual gifts of speech play in a vibrant community seeking to love God and one another? Well, the answers are in something called the Bible. Pastor Sean is starting off in 1 Corinthians 14. Keep it right here. It's time. For radio for real life. We're going to continue the series of spirit-filled life. We have discovered that God's spirit is in us, and because of that, we should be different. It's not just a different set of rules, a different kind of ethic, but there's a different power at work in us, and that should be transformative. And we've seen far too much of Christianity that is just kind of a caricature of what the Scripture talks about. And the reason for that, and we've seen that it's our failure to seek and surrender to the infilling of the Spirit and the empowerment of the Spirit. Last week we talked about the supernatural. Because a lot of these gifts, they just flat out, you read them, that's something God wants to do that is supernatural. And the question we ask is, are we okay with that? Are we okay if God does things that we can't define, that we can't do? The whole point is he wants to do that in and through us. We said, if you've received a supernatural infilling, you should expect a supernatural outpouring. Well, we're going to continue on that theme this morning, and I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, because we're going to talk about some things that are kind of scary. Scary for pastors, scary for people, just plain scary. We're going to talk about the gifts of tongues and prophecy. And I should have had a, like a soundtrack, just play some ominous music. Because it is a scary topic. I'm just going to be real honest with you. For, it's, it's not just for people, for pastors, because... You know, I've seen some serious, crazy stuff happen under the canopy of those spiritual gifts. I've seen mistakes, I've seen errors, I've seen imbalance. And when we say tongues, you know, you're like, what is that? Well, remember we read about it in Acts chapter 2, where they spoke in, in different tongues that they didn't know by the power of the Spirit. We saw it in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talked about it. And it's this idea of the Spirit empowering you and, and speaking something that isn't, a, a, it's, you didn't make it up. It's not a language that you know, but there is something that happens. And we're going to learn more about that today. But I have to tell you, I saw things in my upbringing. We had a pretty cool conversation in, uh, in my community group because we had some folks who've had some unique experiences of churches that tried to help you along in that spiritual gift. You know, I grew up in those kind of churches that thought everybody has to have that gift. And so they would try to help you along in that spiritual gift. And I remember a guy who would come and pray for you and would, would tell you, okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to get the gift of tongues, but, but just do this real fast. Say it real fast. Say, see my tie, see my tie, see my tie. And he'd point to his tie. I'm, are, you, are you serious right now? And I'm like, okay, great. How can I help people in that? Because I'm not wearing a tie. 
See my crew neck. See my crew neck. See my crew neck. Doesn't, doesn't have the same. Something's lost, right? I had someone pray for me and said, say, say hallelujah real fast. And I'm like, I... I don't see in the scripture that that's necessarily what they did. In our group, someone said, and I still think they're making this up, but they said they had someone telling you, you just say real fast, say, should about a Honda, should about a Honda, you know? <laughs> I'm like, did that really happen? But the fact is, that's why people avoid this subject, because there has been some imbalance, some error. I grew up being taught that this gift, the gift of tongues, was the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit. And that if you didn't have this, then you weren't filled. Then I grew up and studied the Scripture for myself, and I saw, I don't think the Bible says that. And so I I thought, well, okay, so we're cramming something at people in a way that's maybe not great. And is that something God even has? And so we saw that whole idea was problematic. I saw misuse. I saw people way overemphasize this gift and make their whole ministry about it, practically rename their church after it. I saw it become a point of pride. And in fact, in our circles, we had a little bit of pride because we, we, we believed in these gifts, and so we were full gospel. We were full gospel. Then Baptists down the road, they were partial gospel. But we were full gospel. And then, of course, I kind of went along in my journey and started fellowship and hung out in some Baptist churches, and they had a kind of pride over it, too. They called us extra gospel, kind of like extraterrestrial, you know. And so it's like, wait a minute, God never intended us to become a point of comparison, of pride, of competition, of division, but it has. And because of that, it is a scary topic. And I want to tell you, um, we preachers avoid the topic (laughs) often. I'll bet many of you have never heard a message out of this chapter of the Bible that we're about to look at. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 14. That's where we're going to end up. Some of you may have never even heard this passage preached, or you've not heard a message on this. And I just want to say, if it's in the Word, we've got to talk about it. Because God has a purpose for it, and God has a gift for us in it. So we don't avoid it. We just deal with it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to really look at the question of spiritual language. Now, remember, in first, we said 1 Corinthians 12, Paul introduces the gifts. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 13, he, he introduces the spirit of the gifts, love. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about administration of gifts. And we're going to end up there. But you remember, he introduced it in 1 Corinthians 12. We also saw it in Acts 2. 1 Corinthians 13 begins with a statement about tongues. Remember, he's showing them a better way. And he's going to talk about love, but he starts by this. 1 Corinthians 13. One and two. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. So what he's saying right up front is, yeah, understand, we're going to talk about gifts, but love trumps all. And boy, we could sure use that reminder. Love trumps all. But from 1 Corinthians 13, where he talks about love, he describes love He goes right into 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm going to read you a big chunk of Scripture this morning, so hang on. But I want you to see it in your own copy of Scripture. Turn in your Bibles if you have them, electronic or paper. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen. But I want you to see it because I want you to be able to go back and interact with this passage on your own. 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to begin with verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. 
For no one understands it, but he utters mysteries in his spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. In chapter 12, he talked about the gift of tongues, and then this this additional gift of interpretation, the ability to share that and interpret that for the rest of the group. Verse 6, now brothers, if you come, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give a distinct noise, how will anyone know what's played? If the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I don't know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, this is such a key verse, verse 12, you should make note of this. With yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, which I, he's commending them on, Strive to excel in building up the church. And you'll notice that theme, by the way, all throughout this passage in 1 Corinthians 14. Build up the church. Edify the church. Verse 13. Therefore, the one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, listen to this. Do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil. Now the translation says, be innocent in evil. Be infants in evil. Don't be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. And that's such an important key. You see, they were experiencing an immaturity because what's the very nature of being childlike or childish? It's, it's all about me. An infant's born and it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And as a child grows up, it's all about me. And as we mature, even, even young adult, even we go through this thing, it's all about me. There's something. You want to you learn about maturity? You want to learn, kind of round that corner and go from childlike immaturity to maturity? What you need to do is have a kid. That'll fix it, won't it? Every parent in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. Before your kid, it was all about you. After your kid, it's never going to be about you again. Your days are over. I mean, it's true. Even, even you know, you talk about when we go and we get, we're in school, we're thinking about our plans and college is about us, our plans. And then young marrieds, they're all about them and their dreams and their goals. And the, the minute they have a kid, it's all about the kid. And it's that way with everyone in their life. Lori and I had Lauren and she, we were in California. We moved back here to Texas and the family, and this is not, this is, I'm not exaggerating. They ran out to where we were in the driveway with the moving truck, got the baby and left us. And Lori and I are standing in the driveway. You, you, you remember us? We've been gone a long time. Hey, okay. 
we realize it's not about us. And I totally get it. I'm a grandparent now. <laughs> Lauren and Jonathan, and, and by the way, I'm glad I even remember their names now. Uh, <laughs> but they're the, they're the ch- delivery unit for the golden children, right? The grandchildren. And Lauren and Jonathan are just the ones that bring them, okay? And I, let me just tell you, this is good for us. It is good for us to get to that place where it's not about us anymore. It's about someone else. And that's what he's saying. He's saying in spiritual gifts, you guys have been making it all about you. And it's not. That's childlike thinking. He says you need to be mature. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Spirit-Filled Speech in the series The Spirit-Filled Life. You can find this entire series on the website reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, Here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, Spirit-Filled Speech. This is Radio for Real Life. Verse 21, In the law it is written, By people of strange tongue and by lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they'll not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you're out of your minds? And in here he's reinforcing an important idea that we should, as the church, communicate in such a way and think about building up one another and even building up those who are outside. We we don't need to always be just thinking about us. We need to be thinking about those who aren't here yet. He says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, we'll worship God and declare that God is really among you. We'll stop there. He, he goes on and talks about order in their gatherings. Now, you remember, we talked about this last week. Their gatherings were not like this. They wouldn't have had gatherings of this size. They were just, there was something in its infancy. And these were all small group gatherings. They met in the temple for a very kind of structured time. But then they met house to house. And he talked about, he gave them order of how should that work in these gatherings? How, these, how, did, how do you do this? How do these gifts operate in those gatherings? And he gives them some sense of order. I want to bring out a few really key principles that I think he's talking about. So if you're taking notes, just jot these down in your margins somewhere so you can have these. First thing I, I observe in this passage is Paul is clearly trying to correct some excesses and some misuse. He's bringing a word of correction. They had overemphasized some things. They had, they had gotten some things out of order, and they were handling some things incorrectly. So what I want to say is we're in good company there. If, if the church today has kind of messed up in some of these areas, it's not fatal. But he's trying to correct some excesses and some 
misuse. He doesn't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but he does say, wait a minute, guys, here's how this is supposed to work. Secondly, he, he presents two different expressions of this gift of tongues. And this is very important. There's the public gift that if you're in a gathering where there's other people, should only be used in the, with the accompanying gift of interpretation. And that's a very specific instruction. He's very clear on that. But there's also, I think, a private gift that he presents here. We use the phrase a prayer language, and I want to talk to you about that in just a minute. But it's important that we understand in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about there's various kinds of tongues. Well, there's two different ones. And I want to say, actually, there's three different ones talked about in the New Testament. There's the public tongues and interpretation for the group. There's the private prayer language, which we'll talk about in a moment. But in Acts chapter 2, there's a different kind of tongues. It's actually the Spirit empowered some people to speak a human language that they hadn't learned. And remember in Acts 2, it says people around go, how are these Galileans speaking our language? They they marvel. So really, we see three different types presented in those few passages of Scripture. And we're going to talk about this private expression because number three, I think the private expression, and this is this, I want to, I want to just, I want to submit to you. I believe by the implication of what Paul is saying here in First Corinthians fourteen, this private expression or prayer language might be something that is available to every single believer. It might be something that is available to every single believer. Now, I want to be real careful here, because remember in First Corinthians twelve, this is why we stopped calling tongues the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Why we stopped saying everyone has to speak in tongues, and why we don't teach that. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 31, remember it ended, we read it a few weeks ago. The passage ended and, and asked these questions. Are all apostles? And the obvious answer was what? No. Are all prophets? No. Teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? Gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And so we, we said, okay, we're not going to take the biblical doctrinal position that, okay, this is a gift everybody has to have, that it's the evidence of, speak, of being filled with the Spirit, and you have to do this. And we're not going to push people into doing that, which I think is the right move. But then in chapter 14, I believe Paul presents a different aspect of this that is a private expression that may very well be available to every believer. Look at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14, and note what he says in verses 2 In verses 4, he says, the one who speaks in a tongue, he says he speaks not to men, but to God. It's one of the benefits of this tongue that he's talking about. He utters mysteries in the spirit. It's another. Verse 4, it says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Builds himself up. In that context, he then says, man, I would like you all to speak in tongues. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I don't think he's talking about the public expression. I think he's talking about this personal prayer language. And again, I'm submitting this to you because he doesn't come out and spell that out in black and white, and so I'm not going to declare that. But I want to suggest that the Scripture strongly points away. Notice how similar this is to what we read in Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I'm not prepared to declare that in Romans 8 he's talking about this gift of tongues, but the similarities are striking. The idea of, I pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind. The idea that he speaks mysteries to God that the Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. 
I think we can summarize by saying, and, and this is the part where I just want to submit this to you, but Paul makes pretty clear. Paul wants everyone to speak in tongues, but he'd rather that they prophesy. And this is really, this gets to one of the significant points of the passage. He says, I want everyone to speak in tongues, but I'd rather that you prophesy. Because, and, and by the way, when we say that, we're not talking about the office of a prophet. You know, when it says... Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We're not talking about the office. We're talking about prophecy, and we've got to demystify it a little bit. Prophecy means, under the inspiration of the Spirit, just speaking the truth of God. That's what it means. Okay? You're like, but Nostradamus, that was cool. I mean, that's the kind of prophecy I want to do. That's not necessarily what it means. It simply means, under the power and the inspiration, the urging of the Spirit, I speak the truth of God. It can have, actually, predictive qualities to it you know the lord says if we don't do this then he is going to do this it can have that future sense and god there are scriptures throughout the old testament and even in the new where that kind of thing is shared and so we see that but it doesn't have to prophecy simply means proclaiming declaring the truth of god under the inspiration of his spirit so demystify that a little bit and understand paul is saying i want everyone to do that he, I, I would, I'd like you all to speak in tongues, but rather that you prophesy because of the building up of the body. And that's one of the overarching principles there. This speaks to the purpose of spiritual gifts, building up the body, God's work, redeeming the world, spreading the kingdom of God. That's the bigger picture. That's a, when you're saying, okay, I, I've got to think beyond me and my own edification. Not that it's bad for me to focus on being edified, but there's something bigger. And so I think what we need to hear is this bigger overarching idea in how we approach. I'm not going to give you a simple kind of how-to this morning. Sorry. I hope you're not disappointed. I'm not going to give you a neat little present wrapped up with a bow, all perfect. Some people want me to give them that. They'd rather I just tell them what to believe. I'm going to point you to the scriptures. But what I want to give you, I think, is an approach And that's this. Here's the main point. I want you to write this down. Spirit-filled believers should desire every spiritual gift that God desires to give. Spirit-filled believers, every one of us, should desire every spiritual gift that God desires to give. And I know it's not some formula or some neat thing that you can take and go, okay, here's, I don't have to think about this anymore. But I want to suggest we are supposed to desire spiritual gifts. And because of different things in our past, many of us have cut certain things out of that circle that I don't think God intended us to cut out of the circle. Spirit-filled believers should desire every spiritual gift that God desires to give. In fact, at the end of Romans 12, remember what he said? Earnestly desire, Romans 12, 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then in verse 1 of chapter 14, he just finished talking about love. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire. Now, interesting note. Do you notice that we're not told to pursue the spiritual gifts? We're told to pursue love. But we're told to desire the spiritual gifts. Those are different words, and he's very deliberate about them. Twice he says desire spiritual gifts. He never says pursue. But when it comes to love, he says pursue love. Boy, this is such a great guideline. I, I want to suggest, if we would have understood this in some of the circles that I, I was raised in in some of our, even our churches today, if we understood that we're ne- we were never supposed to pursue certain gifts and pursue, we're, we're supposed to pursue love. But we are supposed to desire, make room for be receptive of spiritual gifts. And the problem is when you get that backwards and you start pursuing and making it all about the spiritual gifts, you create a problem. And that's why so many people live on the edges of extremes when it comes to these topics. We either ignore them completely and say, oh, I don't want to go down that road, or we obsess and organize our whole life around them and live in great imbalance. 
Now, I want to give you a few points from just this discussion that I think will be helpful as we move on. Number one, don't let the misuse of some keep you from walking in the gifts that God has for you. Don't let the misuse of some, don't let the abuses of some, the excesses of some, keep you from walking in the gifts that God has for you. See, if, if we did that, and, and that's where a lot of us have lived for a number of years, okay? Probably myself included, okay? This is probably more for the preacher. You guys are just listening in right now, but sorry, but, you know. But, I mean, think about that. If, if, you, if we did that with our Christian faith, if we let the excesses, abuses, and misuse of some, we'd have to walk away from our whole faith. Because anytime you bring up the fist, Christmas, uh, Christian faith to some people, they'll say, well, what about the Crusades? Which, by the way, I don't think that was the real people of faith who, who were behind that. I think that was political leaders trying to use the faith as a kind of covering for getting people, manipulating people into doing what they wanted to do. Okay, I don't think that was true followers of Christ doing that. It was people wanting to use that to manipulate. Yeah, but what about what Hitler did? And they had a whole church that supported Hitler and da-da-da. Yeah, that, that state church. I don't think those were true followers of Jesus that were doing that. In fact, true followers of Jesus like Bonhoeffer and others were martyred during that time. Um, no, I think that was political leaders trying to wrap uh, a really dark agenda in spiritual guise to sell it to nominal and unsuspecting people. So if we want to take the approach of, well, since there have been abuses, I'm just going to avoid it, we'd have to walk away from our faith. I want to suggest that is a big mistake. Don't let the misuse of some keep you from walking in the gifts God has for you. In fact, I want to stop avoiding the messy ones. I want to stop avoiding the messy ones. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You have been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Spirit-Filled Speech, it's available right now on demand when you find the sermon series on the Spirit-Filled Life at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.